day, everyone. It's a new episode of BAM Weekly. That's Porson Matt Weekly, where we talk about all things sports, all things wrestling. It's a beautiful day, and we are your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour, Boris. I'm digging the new intro, buddy. Good day. How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, we got lots on the docket today. We might actually make this a two-part extravabamza. I'm not sure. We'll see how that works out. But uh, yeah, man, uh, how are you feeling? How's the shoulder? How are you hanging in there? I'm feeling fantastic. Um, before we get to me, let's talk about what we're going to be chatting about in this episode. Because as you said, we have a ton to cover. Um, it is quarter season review time, and we're going to be talking about the NBA and the NHL. We're going to be chatting about some, you know, some some specific NHL news that might affect Matt's, uh, you know, mental well-being. Um, tons of MLB news. There's a lockout. It's official. We're in lockout season, and we're going to chat about that, what that means, what the future holds, and we're also going to be chatting about the huge moves in free agency. We've seen some crazy numbers being thrown, and we're going to see why all of this is happening. And then we're going to just quickly touch on some NFL, because we have to. We should. There are some more important stuff to talk about, but I want to talk about a couple stuff uh, in the NFL. Then on the wrestling side, we're going to be chatting ROH TV, as we always do, because we are officially on the road to Final Battle. And then from Slam Wrestling, slamwrestling.net, we are joined by Tommy Milagro Martinez, and we're going to be chatting MLW and previewing NWA Hard Times 2, which is this Saturday. Matt, like I said, we have a huge show for everyone, and uh, we'll see how 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 this how the cookie crumbles. But to go back to what you just asked, my shoulder is in enormous amounts of pain. You cannot tell <laughs> how much pain I am in right now. Um, it's it's just like the the, the shoulder blade. I'm sorry, the clavicle itself. It's just killing. Like it it hurts to breathe. It hurts to talk. It hurts to lay down. Um, yeah, it's, it's getting, it's slowly getting worse. I need to sling it. That's step number one. I need to sling this bad boy. Um, cause I think I'm making it worse with like moving so much and like, you know, getting jiggy with it as the kids say in 1998, <laughs> um, yes. which I was a kid back then. And I never even said get getting jiggy with it regardless. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, but overall I'm doing okay. Still on vacation. Having a lot of fun doing that. I've uh, been playing some Guardians of the Galaxy on PS5. That game is a lot of fun. A lot better than the Avengers game. Um, so nice. that's, you know, it, it's been fun there. Uh, what else is going on? And honestly, catching up on, on life. Um, you know, trying to, to, to just stay busy um, with personal projects. We have a lot of stuff coming down. In SNME land, uh, some stuff we'll be talking about soon, um, but I think you and I are going to be a little extra busy over the next few weeks because we have some specials to record, some lists to list, uh, and yeah. uh, we have some prep for shows in the new year. We're uh, we're also looking for ideas to do a proper uh, a wake, a funeral, as it were, for ROH. ROH is not dying. It's not going away forever. But it is drastically changing and has drastically changed already. 
with the loss of Jay Lethal, and you see the ROH wrestlers appearing in all kinds of different promotions. So yeah, we got to figure out a way to properly honor Ring of Honor. Uh, we will do that. Uh, you, lots coming up in December, but man, I'm sorry to hear that you're in such pain, brother. You do got to get that uh, slang, got to get that Midwest slang on, buddy. Yeah, and uh, heal up. Sure. For sure. No, no, I will. It's just, yeah, it's just like, again, I know we talked about this last week, but there's just a huge backup for specialists here in Ontario, um, which just makes it hard to kind of do anything. Um, And it just sucks because it's like, you know, if this, it's not considered an emergency, right? So I'm not getting it fixed. I'm not getting the good old Lex Luger plate anytime soon. Oh man, but I can't wait. I'm going to start like, you know, just just elbowing or shoulder, strike. shoulder blade everyone you know so the legal shoulder blade um i think so I, I can't wait for that conor mcgregor shoulder up strike you just need to master that boris exactly don't fuck with me that's my one f <laughs> of the episode uh but yeah Came man it just <laughs> just like boris it comes early um <laughs> <laughs> we're off to a great start here what are you talking about i'm an early you tell me to be there at 8 30 i'm there at 8 i don't know what you're talking right. about yeah, no, that's yeah, true. It's my mind who's in the gutter, Boris, clearly. Speaking of the gutter, how's Tinder going? <laughs> Actually, you know, things are going well. Uh, cat girl, uh, things have worked out. We are talking it. I guess I should call her cat girl. I am cat boy, I think, in this scenario, right? It's kind of rude to call her cat girl, put any fault on her. But yeah, you know, uh, people ghost people for a lot of reasons, but we're, we're still talking. I uh, Yeah, I don't know. Tinder's weird. You uh, you throw many lines out there, and then you maybe meet one out of every four or five of these people, and then one out of every four or five of those meetings actually goes anywhere. Yeah, it's uh, soul crushing in a way, but but it's also fun to meet new people. You know, you don't go in with like expectations or anything really. So. Uh, you know, slugging away. I got a lot of errands to run today, which is annoying. But other than that, life is pretty good, Boris. I've been playing a lot of NHL 22, just schooling kids online, bar down, Ferda. How's it work? <laughs> I love it. Um, so so how's the game? I honestly haven't played an NHL game in, like, honestly, I want to say eight years. Yeah. Well, NHL 14 is still the best one, but it's the best one since... NHL 14, I think right. it like feels like hockey. It's like they took a little bit of care with it for some reason. I've been mostly playing ultimate team mode. Cause I'm waiting for roster sharing to come. They're right. adding roster sharing like uh, December 9th, I believe. So then you like all the nerds like me who actually used to spend time making rosters, like for their franchise modes, you can actually use other people's online and you can tweak them. You can, you know, it's going to be really good. It's going to be a, a necessary addition to NHL, but I haven't touched franchise, which I usually play. So, yeah this this year i'm playing a lot of ultimate team and i kind of like it very cool very cool um yeah it's i feel like this is a perfect segue into your habs but i'm gonna i'm gonna make you suffer a little longer before we talk about your habs (laughs) and that gm situation um but yeah man it's just like we have a lot on the go so before we really get into our business for bam let's talk about our stuff so obviously you're listening to bam one or two episodes we'll see We'll see. Um, But the important thing is this Sunday, NXT War Games, no after party, but there will be an after podcast, the aftercast. I'm going to call it officially now um, for NXT War Games. That's this Sunday. Matt, I'm actually really looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I like the the show has been really well built. 
there are three or four matches that I'm quite intrigued uh, to see. Yeah, man. I'm no hate, no complaining. Uh, 2.0 is kind of peaking right now. It's it's the best that it's uh, looked in the last couple weeks, I think. Yeah, exactly. It, it's been a fun build. Like it's again, we'll talk about this on Sunday, but the, I feel that the build has just been something that's been missing in WWE booking and it's booking that we haven't honestly seen since Triple H's NXT era. And it's fun to see that it's back um, at least even just for one night, it's fun to see that things are making sense. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people that were doubting NXT hyped for this show. I'm seeing a lot of chatter on the interwebs for this show. So, you know, I think I think NXT 2.0, at least for the next five days or so, is in a good place. But you know what's not in a good place? What's that, Boris? The Montreal Canadiens. Oh, you did it. You did be dirty. I knew it was coming, and I just let you score on the breakaway just like that. Oh, man. So, yeah, so what our gimmick here is I think for every first podcast of December that we keep this BAM going, I think it's going to be cool to do a little uh, quarter season check-in on both basketball and hockey because they kind of line up right at the same time. So this is going to be our little December tradition, I think, the quarter season check-in. So I was thinking, Boris, let's just start at the bottom and work our way up. And believe me, we'll get to the Montreal Canadiens pretty quickly by starting at the bottom. <laughs> exactly. All right, go ahead, Matt. I will let you right. take the wheel and, uh, you know, we'll see where we end up and what ditch yes. we end up. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, let's just go into the Eastern Conference, start, uh, sort by wild card standings and just kind of talk about each team just briefly. So the Ottawa Senators right now are the worst team in hockey. They've been kind of hit pretty hard by COVID. Yeah. Uh, you got a feel for them. But at the same time, this is kind of what we all expected out of Ottawa. Yeah. I saw in a lot of previews, people were giving Ottawa so much more credit. Um, I don't know what they expected, what the difference was from last year and this year, because I see a whole lot of the same. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing in terms of their product, in terms of the record. They're just shite. No other way to put it. Yeah, just absolutely. Just another rebuilding year for Ottawa. The big shock of the NHL uh, in 15th place in the Eastern Conference Boris, the New York Islanders. I had them in the Stanley Cup final coming into the year. I really thought they were going to be a very good team. They can't get a goal. And now they've played a lot less games, also have been hurt by COVID with the also with the new arena situation. Their schedule has just been weird yeah. anyway. But uh yeah, man, they are they have not won a home game yet. They have scored by far the least amount of goals in the NHL, and they look like they're in deep trouble. The yeah. New York Didn't Islanders. I laugh at you about this that prediction? Uh, just, just, just. I, you know, I wanna, I wanna remind myself. <laughs> I'm offended. I, kind of I was offended then, and I'm double offended by your tone now, friend. I think <laughs> it was a fine prediction. They've been a strong team for years, but it's no, just it's, it's not true, happening. Though. Um, I, you know what? It's seeing this, especially in the MLS, when a team debuts a new stadium and they have like a huge road trip to start the season. It never goes well. It even yeah. happened to TFC, um, to be honest. But that's when TFC was at their best, when they were peaking, some would say. Um, <laughs> some would say that. Some would say. Uh, but, yeah, it's just like, unfortunately, you know, the Islanders are just getting, getting lost. The only interesting thing that's happening in that arena is AEW Dynamite next week. Let's move on. <laughs> Good. Good line. Loved it. All right. So speaking about falling apart at the seams, uh, next up, we had the Montreal Canadiens uh, firmly at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, five points behind even Buffalo. 
So that hurts. Obviously, it's not what you want coming off of the Stanley Cup run, Boris. But, you know, Bergevin is gone. Uh, Scott Mellon be gone. They're cleaning out the front office. I got to think that Dominique Ducharme is going to be fired awful quick after this season. The only reason he hasn't been fired yet is because we're tanking for Shane Wright, who will be the number one overall pick in the NHL draft. So, yeah, really bad, disappointing for year for Montreal. But I'm already fully given up and ready for Shane Wright. Let's go. Start the tanks. Right. So there's only one word to describe this year so far and the year that will be for Montreal. Carry on. First of all, that's not a word. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Carry on. How dare you? How dare you? Next up, we had the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they're pretty much exactly where we thought they would be. Middle to bottom of the pack. Still rebuilding. Still figuring it out. Jack Eichel trade has been made. They yeah. can actually start fresh. Uh, but yeah, it's just really tough for Buffalo. Especially once Jack Eichel starts playing for uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, that one, and I still that's a whole situation I want to talk about in detail. Uh, because honestly, in my opinion, Buffalo deserves what they get for treating Eichel the way that they did. Yeah, 100% agree with you there, honestly. I, I have sympathy for Buffalo fans because they're amazing fans, but very little sympathy for the Buffalo Sabres organization. I have zero sympathy for their fans because their fans are also Bills fans, so let's move on. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, that was Buffalo Sabres. Now in 12th place in the Eastern Conference, we have the Philadelphia Flyers. Boris, they're usually sunk by their goaltending, but they have two strong goaltenders this year. Carter Hart's actually playing well, and Martin Jones, cast away from San Jose, he's actually playing well too. So the problem with Philly is they can't buy a goal either. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny because like Martin Jones, like you know, a lot of people thought he was one of the issues in San Jose. Clearly, not the case. Yeah, well, maybe he's uh, found something in Philly that he didn't have in San Jose because it's not like he was playing like a Vesna Trophy winner. But there were other problems. Yeah, in like, you know, may- sure. maybe it was just you know maybe it's the niceness of the fans in Philly that uh, you know helps him build up <laughs> his game. <laughs> That must be it, Boris. I think you're on to something. So, uh, yeah, so Philly was 12th, uh, now tied for 10th in the East. We have the Boston Bruins, who are a little disappointing, and the New Jersey Devils, who are kind of a little encouraging. I think the Devils are a little bit ahead of schedule there, up in 10th in the East. Uh, we're a quarter into the season. Let's let's be realistic. Boston, this is what Boston does now. They have a yep. slower start, and then they really pick it up. You know, and also... They have, all, you know, they're an older team at the end of the day as well, right? So let them play at their peak when it matters, and it matters come February and on. And uh, in terms of, New, and in terms of New Jersey, man, they're surprising me. But I feel like reality is going to hit them really hard around the All Star break. We'll see, but they've been doing it without Jack Hughes, and he's coming back, so it's it's very uh, very encouraging for New Jersey. They can definitely make a late push. I think probably your second biggest surprise in the East, up in ninth place, just out of the playoffs, but with a lot of games in hand right now, the Columbus Blue Jackets doing it without the bread man, doing it without torts. Boris, yeah. they're still just a hard team, that, that tough, annoying team to play against. The, but outside of like you know the, the the those obvious omissions, the team is pretty much still the same. So this year they'll be okay. Next year they might be okay, and then they're gonna be the Atlanta Thrashers of the East. 
Yeah, you might be all right. You might be right on that one. But yeah, circle Boston, circle Columbus. They're going to be hunting around the playoffs all year, no matter what. So let's get into the actual playoff teams. The two wildcard teams in the East right now are the Pittsburgh Penguins. No surprise. Detroit Red Wings. Humongous surprise. Boris, what about these Red Wings? Honestly, they've shocked me. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if this is just like, you know, uh, you know, early season look or what. Um, I haven't honestly I haven't seen or watched too many of their games, but on a record where they sit, it surely does surprise me a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. They're getting a lot of uh, they have a lot of young talent like, you know, Philip Zadina, among others, and it's deep. It's a deep prospect pool. So the Detroit Red Wings are making their rise and maybe they won't make the playoffs this year. But they're a threat for the next 5, 10, 15 years to come. Like Detroit is on the come up. So in the Atlantic Division, we have the Maple Leafs actually currently leading, the Panthers and the Lightning. Those are your top three in the East, in the Atlantic, I mean. And uh, that no surprise at all. That's the exact order that we predicted coming into the season right there. Oh, yeah, you know, it's it, Leaf fans make me laugh because I love the fact that Leaf fans are gloating saying, look at us, look how good we are right now. No one thought we'd be here, except everyone thought they would be here. <laughs> the Leaf fans, oh man, I do have a soft spot for the Maple Leaf fans. No, I, I, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I I, I just know so many of them. Yeah. I kind of understand their plight, but like many of them are in my family. But boy, they're easy to hate. Boy, they, they're they like really sometimes. are. They 100% are. Like people who compare us to like, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees, I get it. I 100% get I'm not a Leaf fan, per se, but, man, Leaf fans are so insufferable. Nah, Sorry, yeah, Leaf you fans. Said it. And, Boris, here was your pick to come out of the East. Uh, the Washington Capitals currently leading the Metro Division, the Metropolitan, with Carolina in second, and the New York Rangers in third. And we got to think that Ilya Shesterkin is probably right now the Vesna candidate because he is, he might maybe even be an MVP candidate. He is the reason why the Rangers are there. 100%. 100% agree with that assessment there. Like, yeah. Like, if I was going to award that today, it would 100% go there. Like, it's just crazy. Um, yep. But again, nothing really is surprising out of those three teams. No, I think that it's pretty much what we expected. I had Washington, Carolina, and New York. It was a different New York team. We don't need to get into specifics, Boris. But uh, so I picked uh, the Islanders to come out of the East. Clearly, I was wrong. Uh, I would jump off that boat, but I put my money down, so that's what it is. You picked Washington. I think you're pretty ca pretty comfortable with that pick. Pretty happy now, with it. For now, right now, yeah. Um, we'll see. Again, like I just it scares me because they are similar to... to um, to Boston, they are an older team, and they're peaking right now. I don't know if they can yep. go the full 80 games plus a two-month playoff. That's a really good call. Time will tell. All right, so let's do the same gimmick in the West very briefly. The Arizona Coyotes, they suck. They might move to Houston. Let's move on. Chicago Blackhawks, huge scandal. Can't really be surprised that they're at the bottom. And fuck Chicago Blackhawks, that is. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, coming in at... 14th in the West, the Vancouver Canucks. Oof. A little surprising. I thought they'd be in the playoffs this year. I actually really did. That was a that was dumb. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, I thought that they would, you know, because they had great momentum leaving last season in the middle of last season to the end of last season. So you would uh, one would assume that they would just pick it up and keep going with it. They, the team hasn't even changed that much, has it? 
I lost a few pieces. It lost, uh, but we still have Thatcher Demgo. Still has Elias Pedersen. Yeah. Still has Brock Besser. They have See, all the stars. Pedersen, to me, he's been a little iffy. Like he's he. Oh yeah. You know he he's I think the reason why they're where they're at where they're at. Um, he just has not played to the levels that we saw him last year. 100% agree. And where they're at is tied with their new rival, the Seattle Kraken, 14th place in the West. And that's pretty much exactly what we yeah. expect out of an expansion team. This is expansion team level. This isn't, you know, Vegas Golden Knights. They, The Kraken built a team to not be the shittiest team. Thank you, Montreal, for kind of taking that uh, title. <laughs> How dare um, you? <laughs> but reality is, is that, like, you know, they built a team that's going to be big in the free agency market at the end of the season yeah. and at least be respectable and have a run into the playoffs if they can make it. And that's all you can ask for. You're never going to see the Golden Knights type of draft selection um, for an expansion team. No, it was a combination of arrogance and ignorance from uh, from GMs who yeah. set the expansion rosters and also uh, excellent luck by Vegas to just hit on that perfect uh, combination. So yeah, those four teams in the West, Seattle, Vancouver, Chicago, Arizona, they basically have no chance of making the playoffs. Everybody else is still very much in it. In fact, only two points separate the Los Angeles Kings from the Dallas stars who are actually in the playoffs. Yeah. So let's just talk about this muck of wildcard teams all in mass. We got Los Angeles, Colorado, Winnipeg, Vegas, Dallas, and San Jose. Some huge shocks in there, most like most notably San Jose. And and honestly, Colorado, because Colorado. Colorado should Colorado should be winning their division. What's going on there? Exactly. Didn't we pick them to win the West? Or, you we know, picked or at least them, go yeah. far? We picked them to win the West. I believe I I picked them to win the cup. Did you pick them to win the cup too? I believe Over Washington? I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, I think we both picked them to win the West and to win the Cup, the Colorado Avalanche. We thought this would be the year with Darcy Camper in that. They, they, you know, but it's it's for some reason they just can't buy a victory. Although the goal differential is very good, they've played less games than a lot of teams. I think ultimately Colorado will be fine, and I think they'll be pretty close to the top of the Central Division. Yeah, again, it's still early on. Um, I think that. There is still a lot of time, um, and you know what? What's going to be very interesting, and I know we're getting ahead of ahead of ourselves because we don't know how the season's going to end, but that is Kadri's contract. Yes, because he is having a career year as of right now. Nazem Kadri is looking amazing for Colorado, but I mean, he's going to be way more expendable if they don't make the playoffs. Exactly, right? like they need to start winning games all, along with Kadri's yeah. uh, huge, huge numbers. Yeah, but yeah, so that's that's a muck of teams. I think I would think Colorado is going to make the playoffs for sure. I would say Vegas and Dallas probably. I would feel pretty confident are going to make the playoffs for sure. Yeah, um, I, I'm still going to go with the Kings from that uh, group of teams, not just because the Kings are the best, but because they're, they're a scrappy team, man. The Kings are scrappy. Oh, yeah. The Kings can get a good win when they when they really want it. Like it's I know that's that's the most cliche thing I've ever said in my life. My God. <laughs> but they're a scrappy team is what I'm trying to get at. No, they're definitely, they're, they're tough out for sure. You know what hurt the Kings a lot was uh, Quentin Byfield yeah. going down. Though he's only 19, he was going to be their second or third line center. Like yep. penciled in all those minutes, they had to find a replacement. And he's coming back soon. So the Kings yep. are the Kings are looking all right. The Kings are going to be taking a bite out of the competition. <laughs> Owned. 
The San Jose Sharks, I think, are going to fall out, but they're right now leading the wild card standings. I think, uh, yeah, the, the, the Sharks, speaking of bites and competition and such, the Sharks have uh, definitely been a big surprise in the NHL as well. So the, the three playoff teams penciled in in the Pacific right now, Edmonton Oilers leading the Pacific, Calgary Flames just a point behind, and the Anaheim Ducks, surprising, but uh, John Gibson is always really good. They have Jamie Drysdale, yeah. who's an excellent young defender. They draft really well. Trevor Zegris is there. The uh, the Anaheim Ducks, don't get it twisted. They have a good team. Yeah, they do. 100% they do. Um, Anaheim is a much better team than people give them credit for, obviously. Uh, and, you know, yeah. Uh, Edmonton. What can we say about Edmonton? Connor McDavid is just like literally the most gifted hockey player like possibly ever born. Like obviously you could say Wayne Gretzky is the goat, but in terms of pure talent, in terms of the speed he skates at, like if you it's cliche to say this too, Boris, but if you put Connor McDavid in the 1940s, he would score 700 points in a season. Yeah, <laughs> it 100%. would be absolutely it would be absolutely filthy and mental. So, yeah. So, obviously, the Oilers will come and go as Connor McDavid does. So, in the Central Division, we have the Minnesota Wild, 31 points. They're a big surprise, too. They're looking like a safe playoff team. I told Boris you. is shaking his head. I called it. I called the Wild, remember? I told you the Wild yeah, would have a good season. You did say that they were a playoff team and they would have a good year. I just think leading the Central at this stage is pretty aggressive. 15-6-1. That's a sparkling record for yeah. the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, man. Yeah, boy. It's all, uh, yeah, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep <laughs> Minnesota Wild, St. Louis Blues, and Nashville Predators are your current playoff teams in the Central. Uh, Nashville, I think they're going to fall out. I, I would be very, I could see Dallas being the team that kind of leapfrogs into the Central there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those Nashville, we kind of predicted out of the playoffs, if I recall. Um, and I do still think it's going to happen. Uh, but, uh, is Dallas going to make it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, I think, I think you're onto something there. Lots of talent, three or four good goalies. They got a great back end. They got Tyler Sagan out there. They got some talent on the offense. Rupe hints. I really yes. love is just like a little firecracker. Yeah, so that's the NHL. I think uh, I still have faith in Colorado to win it at the end of the day. Uh, we're still very early, but the Islanders look like they, they're mathematically, I don't even know if they can make the playoffs. They look like balls, Boris. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> All right, quick segue. Speaking of balls, let's do the same gimmick really quick with the NBA. Just starting with the five, let's start with the Eastern Conference again. These are the five teams who are out of the playoffs at this moment who wouldn't make the play in tournament. We got Detroit, Orlando, Indiana, Philadelphia, and our beloved Toronto Raptors. So I do think it's pretty safe to say Detroit and Orlando are out. Indiana looks pretty bad. And sadly, I think the Raptors are out this year, too. I think the Raptors are lotto-bound. Lotto yeah, I think so, too. Uh, their home record is a testament to how bad the season is actually going to end up being. I think they're 2-8, yeah. and 2-9 and nine at home right now. Um, that's pathetic. Well, like, <laughs> I, that, like, that's so bad when you consider how good they were at home. I think they have, prob I think, the best home record over the past seven years. And then, yeah, yeah, you know, it's ridiculous. But we knew this year was going to be tough. We knew this year was going to be a, quote unquote, soft rebuild. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Um, and, you know, I have all faith in, in Masai. 
Yes, a thousand percent. Look at the Scotty Barnes draft pick. Unreal. Oh, but yeah, rookie two of the and year. eight. Rookie of the year calling it now on bam. Hundred percent. Hundred percent, buddy. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh two and eight at home. Also agree that that's uh, pathetic is probably the right word. But yeah, so the Philadelphia 76ers in 11th place. They're just out of the playoff uh, hunt. I think they're going to slip in. So I will go through the 10 that are I, in. Hold and on. We'll see whoa, who... whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, oh, hey, oh, gabagool. I do not think <laughs> Philadelphia will slip in. What I whoa. predict happening, what I predict to happen is Ben Simmons is going to need some cash. So he's going to come back and he's going to be a cancer to that locker room. Wow. Big prediction, Boris. So we're going to go through these 10. I'll tell you the team that I think is going to fall out. And uh, man, you might be you. Well, you might be right. Ben Simmons is going to want a quick influx of cash. Good call on your part, buddy. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. So in seventh place, the Atlanta Hawks, eighth place, Boston Celtics, ninth place, Charlotte Hornets, 10th place, New York Knicks. They're all safely in the playoffs. Those are all really good teams. Yeah. I think, honestly, we're not going to see too much change. Unfortunately, the teams that are at the bottom, I just see maintaining their pace of being shit. And the teams, you know, 10th and up, they're just going to maintain their pace. I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of change in terms of who's in, who's out. I think we are going to be seeing more changes within the top four or five Yes, yes. So here's the one that I think is going to fall out. The sixth seed right now are the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't see them making the playoffs. I think Philly will pass them. I think everyone will pass them. No, I think they're going to end up in 10th. That's what I mean. Like, I don't, I, I think yeah. they're going to fall out enough, but in, like, or not enough to lose out on a playoff spot, but enough to, you know, not be so good where they have zero. They don't deserve to be there whatsoever. Agreed, agreed. I, except for Philly's taking some one spot. But other than that, I agree with you, buddy. Anyway, I don't, I don't uh, think so, yeah. Phil, no, Philly's not going to take one spot. <laughs> uh, well, we, we shall see. Maybe we should bet a pitcher on it or something. I still but, owe uh, you, yeah, what, so, a pitcher too? Uh, yeah, beers? you do. You owe me a, a couple beers, yes. So, yeah, Miami Heat, five. Chicago Bulls, four. Milwaukee Bucks, three. All of those teams are playoff teams. We all expected them to be there. Even the Bulls, who didn't get enough love preseason, we both loved the Bulls coming into the year. There's two things I want to bring up, and they're both former Raptors. Number one, Kyle Lowry having an amazing season with, with Miami. So happy to see. Number two, DeRozan doesn't get the respect he deserves in the NBA. Absolutely not. If guys like Mitch Richmond are in the Hall of Fame, DeRozan's going to the Hall of Fame. By the time it's over with the numbers that he's going to accumulate, that guy's a Hall of Famer. So I hope the Bulls actually do make it in. I hope the Bulls like get on a little playoff run. I hope yeah. DeMar has his MJ moment. Exactly. Like if you look at DeMar's numbers, they are like I'm not saying he's he's Jordan, but he's having a hell of a start to his career in Chicago. No, oh, a million percent. I'll say he's Jordan. No, he's not Jordan. That's wrong. That's completely false. Number two in the East, a humongous surprise, the Washington Wizards, yeah. Boris. I guess John Wall was a cancer after all. Right? <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought John Wall be bad for team morale, team building exercises? Not only that, but we can do the same joke again. I guess Russell Westbrook was a cancer after all. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. What it's so yeah, the Washington Wizards got rid of all their high-paid stars, all their big names, and all they did was improve to be the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. Pretty crazy. Now, they may also be the team that falls out, though, but at 14-8, and eight, they definitely started hot. Yeah, it's a, it's a pace 
that you like to have. Um, again, with 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 the play in, they're going to make the playoffs. What position they're in, we don't know just yet. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then Brooklyn, obviously, we're going to be first in the East. They have an unreal roster. They don't need Kyrie Irving, but they might get him back. If Who knows? Brooklyn doesn't win the championship. I will be shocked. Yeah, same. They're definitely the odds on favorite. There are two teams in the West who can knock them off. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, so let's get to the West real quick. The five teams who are out, and we nailed four out of five of these bars. Houston, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and Sacramento. For some reason, we had too much faith in the Kings, Boris. We just have a soft spot for these Sacramento Kings because we grew up loving the Stoyakovich and Debock yep, teams. Are you, you you hated them, I guess, because you're a Lakers fan, but you respected them. I, I love those teams. I picked them a lot in NBA Jam. Let me tell you that, my friend. Um, <laughs> that, that was my NBA Jam Jam. Uh, my Jam NBA Jam. My NBA Jam squared. My Jam Jammer Jam for <laughs> NBA Jam. But seriously. I like it. The, the Kings, I think they were all hits. <laughs> the Kings? I don't know. I don't. Maybe, maybe, were we drunk when thinking this? Like seriously, uh, they're just still shit. I don't know how I else just, to say it. I just love De'Aaron Fox. I want him to win. I, yeah. He was a he was a pretty good player in college. I've loved him his entire career. But yeah, I just I hope he gets out of Sacramento at this point. The Agreed. team that we thought the team that we thought was going to be out, but are in Minnesota Timberwolves, looking pretty good. Carl Anthony Towns actually might have just gotten injured though last yeah. night. While I have faith in the Minnesota Wild, I have zero faith in the Timberwolves. <laughs> I think that's fair. So here are your play-in tournament teams in the West as of right now. I think this is pretty much going to hold true. L.A. Clippers, Portland Trailblazers, Denver Nuggets, Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Yeah. Yep. I think I think those are the four teams that we kind of penciled in for the most part. Um, I have no, no, no further comments there, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, same. That's pretty much exactly where we saw them. Boris, uh, here, defend your boys, the no, Los Angeles I'm Lakers. I'm defending at them. What did I say, my friend? You had them winning the West. You put them as this all-star <laughs> team. Oh, they're going to win. Oh, they're so good. What did realistic Boris say? They're going to squeak in the playoffs, but they're going to be the team to beat in the playoffs because this Lakers team is built for the playoffs. Yeah, well, you're completely right. I thought that Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis might have helped LeBron take some of the weight off, but it turns out that Russell Westbrook, he's not just not a winning basketball player on he's his really own. Not. He's an entertaining, he's a he's an incredible talent, but I mean, like the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. The other thing that is kind of hurting the Lakers is LeBron himself. Um, I think he really needs to just take a step back, shut the the f up and focus on basketball a little bit more well you're saying it as the lakers fan not me but yeah i uh so are you telling lebron to shut up and dribble boris is that what you're saying no i'm just kidding i don't want uh, him to punch <laughs> me I, I i would rather step up to cody rhodes's face than lebron james let's just say that I think that's pretty safe. I think that's probably, I think LeBron James would beat Cody Rhodes in a fight. I think we can all agree. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the, <laughs> the five, four and three seeds in the West in the NBA, Memphis, Dallas, Utah. That sounds about right. Sounds about right to me. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Utah. I, I think that Utah's Utah's looking good. I've seen a few of their games. Uh, Cause you know, I don't sleep. Uh, and then they always air their games. Um, Utah's good. I like Utah a lot. Absolutely. And let's talk about the two powerhouses in the West, the Golden State Warriors, and on a seven 
13 game winning streak, the Phoenix Suns. They started one and three, and they've won 17 in a row, Boris. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say about the Phoenix Suns. They've been showing signs of being great, but not this great. And Golden State, they're back. They're healthy. This team's teams to like each other. And let's be honest, the entire organization feels like they have something to prove after the demise in 2019. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I do think it's worth noting. You pointed out that the Raptors uh, home record was probably the best of the last five years. It's got to be other than Golden State, who never, ever loses at home. They're 11 and one at home this year. So both of both the Suns and the Warriors are 18 and three right now. And it pretty much looks like we're going to get Suns versus Warriors. Winner plays Durant in the finals. And that's just that. (laughs) That is just that, you know, saying that because I think. We're on to something there. Does that hurt the season? Like, does it, do you still care about watching the NBA knowing that it's going to be those, one of those three teams winning in June? It's always like this though, right? So it's hard to say like, yeah, it does. it, It does. I think ratings are dropping. I think it's proven that it hurts the product a little bit. But at the end of the day, you do like the super teams. Like it makes the playoffs better when once they actually get there. Yeah. So to me, it's a necessary sacrifice. This is how basketball's pretty much always been. And yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bug me too much. But to answer your question, yes, it does hurt my interest in the season. Obviously, it would have to. It has to. Yep. You know what they need? A golden egg. <laughs> it's the only way to save this product now. Exactly. Inside wrestling joke for you, sports fans. All right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, insane billionaires, do you want to talk about the MLB lockout? All right. So let's before we talk about the lockout, I think we should talk about the insane free agent market that's been happening. And we're going to talk about why we think some of these deals have been made the way that they are. So let's talk about the free agent market. Um, Toronto Blue Jays lost out on a few big names. Doesn't really surprise me at the end of the day, um, but they also are investing into their future. So let's talk about some notable, um, noteworthy signings so far. So last night, Chris Taylor, infielder for the L.A. Dodgers, re-signed for four years, $60 million. Uh, Rich Hill signed for with the Boston Red Sox, one year, $5 million. You have Yan Gomez. Chicago Cubs catcher, two years, $13 million. Marcus Effin Stroman, Chicago Cubs, three years, $71 million. What a big ticket. You know, I'm not surprised it didn't happen, but Boris, I got to be honest with you. I was kind of cheering for Toronto to bring Stroman back. No, no, no. I like Stroman. Yeah, except for the fact that he's a cancer in the clubhouse. Yeah, that's that's what they say about him. But yeah, so I think we need to, we need to shout out the Texas Rangers making humongous moves, signing a huge infield, Corey Seager and Marcus Semien. What they spend $500 million total on those guys. Yep. Yep. So Corey Seager left the Dodgers. Meh. Um, joining the Texas Rangers 10 years, $325 million. No opt out. Yeah, so woof, he's getting all of that coin. Also, the Marcus same day, Simeon, a few sorry, hours, ahead, a few hours earlier, uh, they signed Toronto's Marcus Simeon for a seven-year, one hundred and seventy-five million dollar contract. 
So Boris, my math, it does check out $500 million spent on an infield this year for the Texas Rangers. That is going all in if I've ever seen it. Uh, yeah, they've, uh, they're taking the Tony Khan approach, Tony Khan approach of, uh, <laughs> trying to win at sports and win at fake sports. Um, it's just crazy. Like, honestly, like what they're doing, um, you know, they've also signed pitcher John Gray four years, $56 million. Um, you know, they're just, it's crazy what they've done. But like I mentioned on earlier podcasts, you still need other position players. Because they had nine shitty players. Now they have seven shitty players. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So it's, it's, they have holes to plug in, but we're going to see. Like, that's obviously a humongous start. So the Blue Jays lose Robbie Ray, Boris, but yep. they sign Kevin Gaussman. How does that, how does that work out in your head? Do you think they, they came out above? Did they lose out on this transaction? How do you feel? Okay. It's kind of funny because I feel like, we got rid of a inconsistent player um, up until last year when he was a dominant pitcher in Robbie Ray. And we got a inconsistent pitcher up until his career 2021 season going 14 and 6 with a 281 ERA, 6 in the National League Cy Young voting, not bad for 30 years old. I honestly feel like we went one for one in this move. Uh, and that is Toronto signing Kevin Gaussman, five years, $110 million. You know, and I do feel in my heart of hearts that the Jays just didn't want to wait on a decision for Robbie Ray because, um, you know, with the with the looming uh, lockout happening, I think that they really just wanted to make a, a deal for someone before the lockout and they didn't want to wait on Ray. So once Gaussman was signed, I think they may have said to Ray, look, if you want to come. We'll have to work things out, but you do you. So Robbie Ray yeah. did him, and he signed with the Seattle Mariners, five years, $115 million. Yes, sir. And now we have Kevin Gaussman replacing Robbie Ray as the ace in our rotation. They basically signed identical contracts, Robbie Ray to the Seattle Mariners, as you said. But, I mean, I like Gaussman. I think he uh, – I had him in fantasy, so obviously I was paying more close yeah. attention to him than I would some other pitchers. But I was all, I was very, very enthused every week with what he was doing. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to see him in a Blue Jays uniform. It's pretty cool. He's so become my boy. And, uh, yeah, so the, the Jays are rolling out a pretty strong top three in the rotation with him with Jose Barrios and with Hung Jung Ryu as a third pitcher. That's exactly where Ryu should be. And then we have Manoa rounding them out at number four. That's a pretty that's a pretty strong starting lineup there, my friend. And and people are whispering the name of Nate Pearson yep. again. And he's yep. starting to so so ideally if we could have Manoa and Pearson rounding out our starting five that and all five of those guys work out, well that's yeah. a playoff team. Period, exactly. You know? But but who knows? And the other notable name that I want to call out the new contract is Max Scherzer signing with the New yes. York Mets three year, $130 million. Oh, that's insane. huge. Sucks that he left your boys, the Dodgers, but that is huge. Uh, I didn't realize Scherzer is one of those guys who's like sneaky old Boris. He's 37 years yep. old. Max Scherzer is. Yes, he is. He's a pretty old guy now. The question is, why is so much money being thrown around? I kind of hinted at it earlier, and that is because some teams wanted to make big moves, fill in those big gaps before the lockout happened, and the lockout did in fact happen. 11.59 p.m. Wednesday, December the 2nd, 
the players are in lockdown for the first time in a quarter century. Yeah, and it's really strange. It's like a it's like a preemptive strike from the owners in a way, right? It's like the owners don't I don't I don't even know what exactly the owners are looking for. They're just kind of trying to stick it to the players, it feels like, who who are st- like strongly negotiating for certain things that they really want. That's my read on this. Yeah, dude, it, it, it's so weird. It is so weird. So essentially, um, you know, the CBA has run out. Let's talk about first off what what this actually means. So. Uh, players are essentially locked out. They are out of a job for now. However, certain things are still happening, um, but a lot of things aren't happening. So right now, there is a transaction freeze. Um, No trades, no free agent signings, waivers, releases, and this includes moves to your 40-man roster. Players are still getting paid-ish. So if you have a, um, a bonus, a signing bonus, you will still be getting paid. So Jose Barrios, for example, he's owed $2.5 million both on January 31st and April 30th. That man is still getting that bag. Um, <laughs> but there's no work out of club facilities, um, drug testing. People are unsure about that, but a lot of people think that won't be happening. Um, here's a fun one. The players could technically play in other leagues right now. So you could see, you know, Vladdy yeah. want to keep uh, in shape by going back to the Dominican and playing out there. The minors should still be happening. All right. So the obvious question right now is what are they fighting over? So if we take a look at the player's point of view, they really want to address the, sh- and I'm using quotes right now, shrinking share of league revenues um you know so they want to be paid their cut essentially we're seeing record contracts for tv deals we're seeing players having to do extra appearances extra work per se and they essentially want to be paid for that um you know we're seeing insane deals being struck on streaming services, we see exclusives on Facebook and YouTube happening around the league. Uh, so essentially, the players want a cut of that. The owners essentially want to maintain the status quo because by maintaining the status quo, that means that they get that cut of the pie. So obviously, you know, this is going to cause issues. Um, the other thing that the owners are looking for is more money. And the way that they plan to do this is by introducing a new playoff format. Matt, you want to talk about this briefly before we move on? Yes, absolutely. I do think this is a very intriguing and pretty out there. It would become the most, uh, definitely the most unique and the the most avant-garde playoff system that we have. So the, uh, the proposed system is that seven teams in each league out of 15 make the playoffs. You get your three division winners and four wild cards. The number one seed in each league would get a bye. So the number, so whoever won the most games in either the AL or NL wouldn't play in the first round of the playoffs. And then the other two division winners would get to pick their opponents out of the four wild card teams. And that would be your first round of the playoffs. That is very interesting. That is very intriguing. So you would get two could pick either one. You, you, you know what I mean? And uh, the, the two remaining wild card teams would have to play each other. 
other. It's very, very intriguing, man. I don't know if they're ever going to do a draft your own opponent thing in sports, though. I I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. Also, it's so weird. But sure, let's uh, let's let's let's, you know, whatever brings in more ad revenue and playoffs is where the money is at. So, you know, you want to make the playoffs the longest it humanly could be. And in baseball, fortunately for the fans, unfortunately for the owners, you know, I love the fact that the playoffs last one month and that's it. Um, so someone was talking to someone and they asked when the last time this happened. Obviously, 1994 comes to mind, but that was a different year because that was an actual strike. The last time, um, you know, 1990 had a lockout uh, and, you know, we didn't lose any regular season games, but the preseason and spring training was massively compromised at that point, meaning that, you know, players kind of went in cold. Uh, So it'll be interesting kind of see what happens if history tells us anything things are going to be sorted because really I'm not seeing a huge divide in regards to what the players are asking for and what the owners kind of have up their sleeve. I I agree. I don't think the divide is huge enough to lose any games, but I do think that the MLBPA is pretty pissed off about this for lack of a better term. I think they're offended. I just wanted to read uh, a brief snippet of this uh, statement that they released uh, Thursday morning here. Uh, So they called this lockout quote, a dramatic measure, regardless of the timing. It was the owner's choice, plain and simple, specifically calculated to pressure players into relinquishing rights and benefits and abandoning good faith bargaining proposals. So that's kind of how they feel like the MLB is MLB is kind of making like a big dog move to kind of try to fuck us over and we're not going to play their game. So I do think it's going to be it's going to be extended. I think we, we there's a chance we miss some spring training even. But at the end of the day, we're not going to miss too many baseball games. I'd be shocked if we didn't get a full 162 game season. Agreed. Agreed. hundred percent. I'm not too concerned, but it always, you know, you just you just at the end of at the, in the back of your mind, 1994. 1994, yeah. 1994, and it was a player strike. Let's remember that. But Absolutely. that almost ruined baseball for years. If it wasn't for Mark McGuire v. Sammy Sosa, baseball would not have gotten back to the swing of things. You like that one? <laughs> Love it. You know I do. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I agree with you, though, man. They, they better not lock out the players for a long time. I just also wanted to read this via ESPN stats and information. The three longest work stoppages, at least in my lifetime, but I think in the history of professional sports. So there was the 1998-99 NBA lockout, Boris. That was 204 days. We all remember that one. That was, uh, well, I barely remember it, but it was also the year after Jordan retired, so the NBA needed a complete retooling, and that really hurt the sport of basketball for a long time. NBA 2.0 with a rainbow... uh uh, sign started. <laughs> oh man. And it took years to recover. Uh, so the second longest was, uh, the aforementioned 1994 MLB strike. It went 232 days. I don't know if it ruined baseball, but it almost did. I'll tell you this. It certainly ruined the Expos. Oh yeah, for sure. It, it did ruin the Expos. No conspiracy theories there. Stop with that BS people. Um, it just, you know, there was a lot of things in 1994 that, uh, both sides wanted and they went into strike, and that was that. Anyway, and what was the third longest one? I know what you're going to say, but let's tell no, our listeners. Yeah. 
I was counting up the longest one. Number one was the NHL work stoppage. 2004-05 lasted 310 days. Drastically hurt the sport of hockey. And it's only now starting to recover. And it drastically improved the sport of poker. (laughs) Yes, it did. Poker ratings through the roof, especially in Canada. But yeah, so my overall thesis and the point of me reading that out is that once you hit like the 200 game mark, Boris, you are doing long-term damage to the sport. So keep that in mind. Keep this in mind also. This just goes to show you how the owners were already uh, thinking ahead. They spent $1.7 billion on free agents in November alone before locking out the players. Exactly right. And more than an arbitrary uh, day's counted of work stoppage obviously what's important is not missing games so if the mlb actually knocks games off their season for this dumb lockout it's going to really hurt the sport but i don't think they will i think it's just a strong-handed technique uh negotiation boris yep exactly 100 percent agree with you there all right let's talk let's briefly talk about some nfl we might as well because like i said last week anytime i can talk about dumb boys losing I will gladly talk about it on this show. It was a Thanksgiving extravaganza. They lost to the hapless, sorry, no account Raiders. Yep. Uh, You know what? Did you see the ratings for that game? I bet they were astronomical. I bet they were absolutely through the roof. It was the most watched sports game in history, period. What? What do you mean? Well, like regular season game, it would have to be because their Super Bowls had to be have yeah. been more yeah, yeah, watched. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like regular season. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. 36 33 in overtime. It was definitely an exciting Thanksgiving game. I can see why it's, you know, it's Thanksgiving. I can see why everybody was watching the TV. But wow, that's crazy, man. I didn't realize that. I did not see that at all. Yep. Also, Cam Newton, he back on the bench. Yeah, that's the end of that chapter. At least our Miami Dolphins ended the Cam Newton. Also, uh, to any longtime listeners of BAM will know that I traded for Christian McCaffrey in my fantasy league. Officially, that was a mistake. <laughs> I uh, shot for the moon and missed, Boris. I, I, if you're a Hearts player, I shot for the moon and, and took in 25 points instead. Yep, that, was, uh, that's, that hurts just a little bit. Also, um, another game I want to point out, the Texans really suck. They lost to the New York hopeless Jets, twenty-one to fourteen. It really makes you wonder what the Titans are doing because <laughs> the the Titans lost to the Texans, who lost to the Jets. So by the transitive properties, the Titans are the worst team in football, Boris. I believe my math is correct. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and the Packers beat the Rams, thirty-six twenty-eight. Officially humongous problems in Ramland. Uh, it's been said that they're a soft team. There's a team full of egos there. I don't know what's going on, but they have the most talent in the league. You I'd really like to see them figure it out. You cannot build a super team in the NFL. You Case can't. You can't point. do it. Case you can't point. do it. Another yeah, team that is hurting, and they decided to add Adrian Peterson to the fold just yesterday that is the Seattle Seahawks losing to the Washington football team 17 to 15 in a very puzzling end of game on Monday night it looks like it's over for the Seattle run it looks like it's time to rebuild in in that uh that territory i wonder if Russell Wilson's going to get traded or even released from his big ask, contract where, where is Russell Wilson going to end up please don't say Miami 
<laughs> Miami's going to get someone. I'm thinking it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, though. I got my fingers crossed for him. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, like immunization notwithstanding, he's a very good quarterback. I'm not here to. Uh, well, I mean, it is shitty, and it's I, I, I shouldn't, you know, I, I I should not want Aaron Rodgers because that's pretty bad. Anyway, Boris, we do have Dem Boys playing tonight against the Saints. That should be a win. I think uh, you never know at this point, honestly. You have our Dolphins facing the Giants Sunday, 1 p.m. You have the Lions losing against the Vikings. That's Sunday, 1 p.m. Also, another notable game for me, at least, is the Ravens and the Steelers because this is the battle of I wish this was last season because this game (laughs) is going to be boring. Yes, absolutely. Very well put. We have the Buccaneers going into Atlanta. I'm sure Tom Brady is going to absolutely explode and destroy the Atlanta Falcons as per usual. Just going to sun them real good. But yeah, it's it's, it's a sneaky by NATO, the sneaky by apocalypse in fantasy. Lots of teams on by this week. Yeah, it's a very it's very weird this week. Um, but sure, let's this is what happens when you add a game to the schedule, right? It's like F it. Who cares? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, interesting. Uh, definitely that Raiders Cowboys game was excellent. 36, 33, one of the better Thanksgiving games that you're yeah. going to see. And uh, yeah, man. Yeah. It, it's a weird, stinky week of football. Definitely a week to go hang out with the family, you know, and uh, yeah, for, forget that this uh, league even exists for a week. Yeah, exactly. All right. I think we've climaxed on the sports. Now let us move on to the wrestling. How does that sound, Matt? I wish you would have put it a different way, but let's do it, buddy. I am tired and hard, <laughs> so let's move on to wrestling. Wait, whoa, nah, maybe let's not. It, well, we're talking about hard to kill later. I don't know what you're talking about. I see. Yes, all right. Again, it's my fault. My mind must be in the gutter. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, so as usual, we are going to be talking about Ring of Honor, ROH, as we are leading towards... Their final battle, and what a final battle it's going to be. Uh, This week, we had a couple interesting matches on the show um, because we probably saw the final appearance of one Jay Lethal on ROH TV. But before all that, we had Danhausen and PCO versus the Briscoes. Nice. Danhausen's been doing a lot more uh, YouTube work now that he's injured, doing a lot of interesting things with uh, with AEW talent. I kind of wonder if that's where he's going to end up. But yeah, Danhausen is definitely a very, very talented performer. He's uh, not as good in ring as he is out, but you got you got to love you love you love some Danhausen. Who doesn't love them some Danhausen? Exactly. Um, the Briscoes won. Briscoes are on a tear right now. Uh, the Briscoes are going to be um, challenging the original kingdom at final battle. More so, they are going to be at the Hammerstein Ballroom for the GCW sold-out event out there. Really looking forward to that one. Um, so after that, uh, we had Gia Scott and ROH Women's World Champion Roxy. Uh, before I go there, I should give this match a rating. I'm going to give this match three honor handshakes out of five it was a pretty fun match i hate the tooth gimmick i hate the you know it just like we need to move on from that but it was a good match outside of that all right so gia scott and roh women's world champion roxy make their entrances maria canellas has joined caprice coleman and ian riccaboni on commentary so 
It was Roxy versus Gia Scott. My friend, Roxy, obviously, won. Nice. Yeah, Roxy, I hope she gets a shot on a bigger stage, either WWE or AEW or anywhere that will actually air her matches and make her a star because she's an incredible talent and she's she's got years and years ahead of her in this wrestling business. She is us. only 19. It's crazy. And she, I feel like she's achieved so much in that short amount of time. Um, I'm going to give this match another three handshakes out of five. And then the main event was EC3 versus Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal's probable last appearance on ROH TV. And it was him leaving the territory because he went out on his back as EC3 won via tap out. Did the right thing. Oh, I was going to say staring at the lights, but no, he topped out. What do you know? What? Uh, so EC3 getting a humongous push, submitting Jay Lethal on his way out the door. Wow. Yep. Ek3 got it. And after the match, they shook hands. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much the show. I'm going to have to give this match three and a half handshakes out of five. Um, you know, Jay Lethal, quote unquote, doing the right thing. EC3 getting the huge push as he is set to face the world champion. Bandito or John Gresham at the Christmas TV show to end this era of Ring of Honor. Very interesting. I yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be Gresham, and I think Gresham will beat him, but we'll see. You know, it, it's they obviously are pushing this EC3 character pretty hard. This new uh, serial killer, super serious EC3. All right, Matt, we're done with ROH chat. We're going to move on to MLW. And the main event of the evening, which is going to be a preview to NWA's pay-per-view, which is this Saturday, 8 p.m. from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we're going to be chatting about that. But, you know, after last week, I think we got a little bit of, you know, as the as they say in the business, heat for our viewpoint on War Chamber. Because, um, you know, God forbid people have their own opinions. But, but, <laughs> but... I brought in someone special to chat with us, Matt, and that one person is from Slam Wrestling. No, it's not Bob Kapoor, thank God. He is Tommy <laughs> Milagro Martinez. What a milagro it is to have you on the show, Tommy. Thank you for joining us, chatting some wrestling. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here, guys, and uh, and thank you for adding the extra Spanish to the name. How great it is to hear a true Spanish speaker in Canada, it's uh, it's wonderful to hear the native language spoken so eloquently up north. Exactly, so. exactly. It's funny because I'm not even Canadian. I'm American, born in L.A., born and bred in L.A., moved to Canada. But here we are representing La Raza. Someone has to. Exactly. And I'm the same way, too. I'm not Canadian. I'm Utah, which is Canada adjacent. Exactly. So <laughs> you get more snow than Toronto, probably. Because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tommy. So before we jump into MLW and NWA, yes. you know, let's talk about Tommy. Let's talk about, you know, what got you into wrestling, how long you've been watching wrestling, and what it is you do at slamwrestling.net. Okay. Um, let's see. Some of these. I had to have vetted by my uh, attorneys here before I came on. Uh, but long story short, I have been a fan of professional wrestling I since the 80s. Uh, my Obviously, like every uh, everybody from my generation, the big name was 
WWE. But then when I was a kid, I would always see some other wrestling programs, specifically AWA. That's when I saw the young Midnight Rockers, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty. And then, of course, later on, they moved on to WWE. And we kind of know where that history went. Over the years, I followed wrestling off and on. Um, and I followed different iterations, WWE, WCW. Uh, I interacted with a couple of wrestlers. Some, well, uh, again, attorneys have uh, forbidden me to speak on that part there. But uh, the uh, what finally got me into wrestling is I had time in my schedule. Thank you for firing me, Oracle. And uh, I... Uh, yeah, they decided to, I decided to take the plunge and uh, I reached out to Greg and said, hey, uh, that's great that you had this one story about NWA and the United Wrestling Network, but there's been no follow up. Hey, I can do this. I've done some uh, writing before on a local wrestling outfit in Utah and they and they took a chance on me, and I've been going strong ever since. I've mostly been focusing on the NWA, and recently I've been doing Major League Wrestling because that's honestly that's a nice alternative to uh, some of the other programs like AEW, WWE, and sorry for saying this, uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, we we hope you'll return back uh, better once you got the bugs released out of 2.0. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, that's that's where I'm at at this point. Excellent, thanks so much. Yeah, you know, we I love the relationship that us at uh, Sunday night's main event have with Slam Wrestling. You know, we have Bob Kapoor every time we talk about Impact because he <laughs> like I, like I always say he is the last Impact fan standing. So you know, <laughs> and I love having that 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 viewpoint, especially when we talk about something like MLW, especially NWA, because I find that both of those are kind of like a, they have this niche um fan base but you know the whole point of bam of boris and matt weekly is really to talk about and get the word out there and try to get people to watch stuff sometimes right. what we watch isn't the best and we're gonna call that out and honestly i love mlw i want mlw to succeed but their war chamber match um, at the end of the day, you know, uh, I think people just latched on to the fact that we gave it one star. Uh, I think people latched on to oh. the fact that we just didn't like it. Now, let me highlight. It came down to the production of it. It came down to, at the end of the day, the match length was so short once all the competitors were in the ring that it kind of felt useless because... But this is a universal issue with, with war games, war chamber matches, is that the setup sometimes is so long that by the time the match starts, you're exhausted, you're tired, mm -hmm. and so are the wrestlers. And that it is what it is. You know, so between those two points, and the third point was you could have skipped the entire war chamber match and had Contra explode in another way. And that's ultimately, if you can completely remove the entire match and have the end result still happen to me it just you know there there are other ways to get there and unfortunately you know the entire point of war chamber for me was okay to get alex hammerstone kind of over you know he he beats all of contra he he did what he wanted to do he did what he was he set out to do but it came down to the explosion of contra 
Tommy, talk to us about War Chamber. You really enjoyed it. You 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 spoke well about it at Slam Wrestling. Um, you know, how did you see it? There, there's a phrase uh, uh, some local movie critics in Utah utilize, and I'll use the same whenever I write. You buy the bit, you buy the premise, and that's the way I look at it. Now, let's let's go back a, a little bit. Let's get uh, uh, deep into this, and that is War Chamber was originally War Games uh, by MLW when they restarted back up around i want to say 2017 or so but they didn't own the rights which by the way for everybody listening may i highly recommend a good copyright lawyer it's very important to protect that why you ask well the war games is now the property of nxt and yeah so that's important why branding is always important secure that ip as soon as possible i wouldn't know much about that but thankfully i have an mba oh right there Love thank it. you <laughs> um <laughs> uh but uh, in all in all seriousness now when you think war chamber and i think a lot of the other side of it that you're complaining about guys is that uh the production value of it when we think of war chamber we're thinking something big grandiose but you got to keep in mind this is in the ecw arena so this was basically and i think i called this out here this was just a basic steel cage match with a fancy name and barbed wire on top but again and i wrote about this you buy the bit you buy the premise now that said this match took the entire show in fact if i i don't have the timing but I want to say it took about the entire 30, 35 minutes of the of that broadcast there. And you're right. It should have been a little longer. There's some things you could have cut out. The 5150 vignettes, the all this and that. But I think they, and it probably was a lot longer, but you also have to consider that, um, as we both know, if when you're in a when a wrestling match and it's going to be airing for TV, some things need to be edited out. So I was more focused on what the tone of the match was, what, uh, what the emotion was going into the match. And I felt like in that aspect, it achieved. Now the guys that came in, they hit their spots and then, you know, you moved on to the next spot and it was just, fast rapid pace and that's probably what you guys were were reacting to and that it should have been spaced out should have took a little bit longer again no dispute on that part but the emotion part that's what i reacted to that's where i felt like it succeeded in that aspect i do have quibbles i have many a quibble uh if you really want to get into the weeds on that part but i would say overall it achieved what needed to be done, and that was the implosion of Contra Unit with the the winning of the Hammerheads. How they did it, and again, I have some, uh, and again, the fact that Matanza, or, you know, Jeff Cobb coming back, that was a nice little trick, but at the same time, it's like, okay, it where, where are we heading with this? Yeah, and, and now they're doing a, 
a thing uh, last night, and I covered it in uh, on the Opera Cup. They had some shots of uh, Cesar Duran trying to get his brother, and I'm like, well, wait, we had that established, yeah. right? Did I miss something, or was was the genius juice I had a little too strong that night? <laughs> oh, and yeah, I it, there were just some there's some problems where uh, production and storyline follow through could be a lot better there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think what they're trying to establish was that Jeff Cobb isn't going to be Matanza moving forward, and there is someone waiting in Mexico for them when you know, Azteca underground happens. Right. Well, and that's what kills me because obviously if everyone never paid attention to Lucha underground, which by the way was awesome. That's great. Um, Jeff Cobb was the original uh, Matanza Cueto or just Matanza. But even, and Cobb has said this before in other uh, podcasts or whatever, he couldn't breathe under that uh, mask and I don't blame him. Yeah, because I've seen that thing and that looks uncomfortable. Exactly, so. exactly. Now you know, and the other thing that we really talked about, and I want to touch on this as we segue into the Opera Cup Finals, and that is, yeah. um, you know, for as a new fan, as someone who hears about this MLW, and you know, said someone tells me, "Hey, it's free on YouTube. Go check it out on YouTube." After the fact, I'm gonna watch that. Uh, the War Chamber match. And if that's the first thing, that's the first exposure that I have to MLW, I'm not sticking around. And unfortunately, after the War Chamber match last night, they had maybe the match of the year to end the show for the Opera Cup Finals between Davey Richards and TJP. That match is the match you want to highlight, MLW for. This match, Davey Richards, TJP, that's the match you know you want to kind of just put out there for everyone to watch this is going to get people into mlw so that's kind of the other thing that i I was iffy about at the end of the day but you know a lot of people it's wrestling fans especially they're going to give stuff a second chance so hopefully enough people stick around to watch this finals because as i said before we started recording this is match of the year quality this is going to make many people's top match lists you know if it's number five ten fifteen i don't know but this match was so strong and this is the match that you want people to watch this is the match that you want to promote and i can't just speak so highly of this match and i can't believe that this is tjp's like second major contender for match of the year because if you remember that non-televised youtube match he had with josh alexander the iron man match also was a banger and this one honestly fantastic davy richards is back you would have never known he took so many years off with how he um wrestled in the in this tournament against against filthy tom lawler and against tjp like just really he he's just had an incredible tournament and what a story what a comeback and don't forget he also wrestled against uh bobby fish yes. and 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 uh this is a great uh way to bring this up because all the guys that we're just mentioning right now with the exception of Tom Lawler, they're all ROH guys. Yes. They have always worked at a consistent uh, pace that focused not only on 
wrestling, but other forms of combat sports that they've incorporated into uh, their character, their being. TJP, um, uh, Davy Richards, Bobby Fish, that that was uh, that's what solidified it for me with the Opera Cup. And I'm and I'm going to be honest, I'm always a sucker for a good tournament, uh, and especially a tournament that leads to opportunities down the road. And for Davy Richards, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, he's been away from the ring um, from for what two, three years. At this least, last stop at was least at three Impact. Years, yeah. Right. And uh, and that's good. He needed uh, whatever he needed to do to just kind of mentally reset and physically reset. Hey, good on him. And if he's still got something in the tank, even better. But yeah, that ring rust uh, is always something you always have to wonder, can he hang? And this answered that question easily. Uh, And yeah, and I agree with you the way that they did the match and again it's about the same time frame as war chamber but when it's just two guys and it's a very fanatic crowd in philadelphia pennsylvania and in the ecw arena and that's a hard room to to really get over let's not lie kids yeah um you know you got something special and uh as i uh as we're talking right now i did uh uh the recap for MLW Fusion Alpha and the finals between TJP and Davey Richards is on at slamwrestling.net. Cheap plug. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah, the, what, uh, what Davey Richards said at the end, uh, and I, and I try to record those, those little, uh, promos verbatim. If it feels like it's going to capture a crowd, you can watch it on YouTube. You can find it somewhere else. Great. But to read it and just absorb what was being said, that's when you know you got something. And Davy Richards has always been no nonsense. Yeah. Um, and TJP, uh, I think he stepped it up another level. And you can argue he's really put the tools together ever since uh, he uh, went to WWE and now has made a name for himself elsewhere. Yep. So the sky's the limit for him. 100 percent, you know, and if for our listeners who haven't caught on, Davey Richards is your 2021 Opera Cup winner. Um, Just an an amazing promo at the end of the tournament to really encapsulate his return and what wrestling means to him. And I'm stealing this direct from Tommy's (laughs) SlamWrestling.net recap, and he says this. We've known each other forever, Philadelphia. I look around this awesome MLW audience. I don't see fans. I don't see a paying customer. I see the only family that I have ever known. You were there when I was a young guy starting out. You were there when my family died. You were there when I became world champion. And you are here when I have won the Opera Cup. It was told to me in the back that I should dedicate this to to someone very special to me. But me being Davy Richards, I don't exactly follow the script now, do I? So this one is for you, Philadelphia. Because you were there through thick and thin, as long as I'm able to, I will step in this ring and every goddamn night will give you every penny you spent. This hunt never dies. And again, just yeah. an awesome, 
awesome, awesome way to end the tournament and to say, look, I'm back and I'm here to stay because that was as it was reported on Sunday night's main event with Jason Agnew, Davy Richards has signed a a deal with MLW to stick around for a while. So, you know, this yeah. just encapsulates everything so well, a great return. And, you know, I think we're we're, we're I think we're seeing something very special with Davy Richards right now. And and that's the thing I do like about MLW. Um, and this is the way I uh, have been looking at this. And I'm going to be um, I'm trying to formulate uh, a piece about the subject in the wake of ROH. Um, and I'll probably do it after final battle. But the fact is, is that every everyone's been trying to be the next ECW the heir apparent was ring of honor but now now it, it, the question is since ROH is going to take a break and that and I want to stress that it's a break exactly they're going to be gone for the first quarter stop uh, stop complaining it's gone forever it's not we just don't know what it's going to be yet just relax it's okay calm down <laughs> I'm not saying that's you guys. I'm just saying. I know, no, it's true. Whatever. though. Yeah, there the is pe- a fan out it's there. Awake. There's a wake. It's a, it feels like we're, we're giving ROH awake a little prematurely, to say the least. Even exactly. I've said that in passing to Matt as we're planning shows, right? But what I, you know, the, at the end of the day, I do feel it will be back like a game changer wrestling, like a strong indie, like a pro wrestling gorilla, and that's exactly the niche that you want for ROH. Anyways, sorry about that. <laughs> and, and no, 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 and that actually segues nicely to MLW. They originally started in the early 2000s, but then they didn't have the capital to continue on, so they just operated as uh, just a, a site to show videos. It was only recently in 2017 when Court Bauer, yep. uh, after he had his cup of coffee at uh, WWE, revived MLW, and he's now capitalizing on that, trying to be the next ECW. Yep. And when you got good wrestling, when you got good characters people can invest in, they've got that ability. Those are the strengths right there. There are weaknesses though let's not lie uh and the big weakness is trying to establish that identity a couple of years ago they were just trying to be their own identity and they had some great guys and davy boy smith jr and brian pillman jr uh teddy hart that's a whole different subject here we don't have the time go on a subreddit for that um but uh but now, lately, they're trying to be a part of Mexico with the crash. Now they want to be part of Dragon Gate USA. Now they've got sometimes a uh, a, 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 a visit at uh, Vice News. Uh, sometimes they're trying to rechannel the spirit of Lucha Underground. They're, they need to solidify what their identity is going to be going forward. And I like what they're trying to do. Uh, it's, it, and I use this analogy. They're trying to be DC comics. They're just swinging for the fences. Yep. Um, and, and the thing is like DC comics, they'll either hit big or they're going to miss big. Yeah. And going circling back war chamber. 
could be a miss, but it achieved what it needed to. So it, if depending on where your point of view is, that's, that's one of those situations right there. But with the Opera Cup, that's a big hit right there. And if they can focus on those things, they're going to succeed and then some. Yep, exactly. And I think the best analogy, if we're talking DC Comics, is a kinning war chamber to Tom King's Batman. While it looks good <laughs> on paper, it's just a swing and a miss. So going from one federation trying to reestablish itself to another one, let's talk some NWA. Let's give NWA some love because, you know, (laughs) sometimes this show is a hard show to watch. And I don't know whether it's because mentally I am now trained for the attitude era and forward way of wrestling. If I'm if I'm if I'm trained for that presentation of a TV show, but NWA has a very classic look, a very classic feel, and you know it. Sometimes it just doesn't mix well with today's other, um, other, other federations and other companies. Uh, so, Tommy, why should I watch or care about NWA? You tell me. I, the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. No, not the rap band. Um, <laughs> and, and I have to say that at work sometimes too when I say. Uh, what do I do for slam wrestling? I cover the NWA. Do you talk to ice cube? No, I, I don't talk to ice cube <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't want to talk to him anyway, because he's not vaxxed. That's a whole other side. <laughs> there you uh, go. But, <laughs> oh, was that too political? Anyway, <laughs> I love uh, it. Uh, but I've been following NWA since they started up with power in 2019. And I, the fact that it's a slower pace, the fact that it's only an hour long is palatable to me. And the reason I can say that confidently is because uh, we have we are so used to shows that have probably two, three hours tops of wrestling and maybe four or five good matches. Yep. The rest is just filler. And if you and if it's a filler or a squash match, I I that's not gonna grab my attention. In fact, for anybody that ever reads my stuff, you're welcome and I'm sorry. Um I won't cover the squash matches. I will give you a squash recipe. Uh I, and I don't feel bad about doing that. If you get something good to eat as well and it's nutritious, good for you. But uh, with the NWA, the thing I like about it is that it's it has to be a slower pace to really get you to care and focus on developing the angle, developing the storyline. Why should I give? Uh, why should I even care about this wrestler? Why should I care about this match? Point uh, 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 point here um, that I like to use is Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch. He was a WWE tag team champion, but beyond that, never rose above his station because in those times, WWE just said, well, we don't have anything for you, so thank you and good luck in your future endeavors. But now, uh, Trevor Murdoch has, over time, built himself up to be a contender and is now the holder of the NWA Heavyweight Championship, yep. the 10 pounds of gold. So they find 
a new life and they focus on just the basics of pro wrestling, something you would have found from yesteryear. And it's no accident that the studio style of the NWA is very similar to what they used to do uh, back in like the 70s and 80s um, of the National Wrestling Alliance. And if you think I'm lying, if WWE's archives haven't been sold off to the Peacock Network, or as I say on my podcast, TV Tam Podcast, you flock to the cock, uh, you're welcome. I would say uh, those archives will show that uh, it, it was exactly that type of a studio audience setting. Yeah. That and and that's a nice little throwback, that nostalgia, but it still has a modern appeal moving for sure. forward. And that and now for the people that say when I when I first started back up, it was on YouTube and it was accessible for free, but Here's the question. How sustainable a model is that nowadays in the pandemic era? So they had to switch up to um, a pay a pay, uh, a pay schedule, which is uh, the fight app, which at four uh, in the U.S., four dollars, ninety nine cents a month. That's not a bad deal. And if you're thinking, oh, that's too much. Meanwhile, you still got uh, Hulu and you're going, why do I need to watch? Why the last man? Yeah. So why exactly? Don't get me started on Netflix. There, yeah, I'm exactly. still banning. Yeah. See, where I struggle with NWA is, you know, you brought up some great points, and that is the slow storytelling, the Nick Aldis storyline. You know, champion for hundreds of days. You know, um, <laughs> I just absolutely love that. And then you had uh, Trevor Murdoch coming in and kind of just like being the little engine that could and he just kept chugging along and i right. love that slow build and i love that story and i love that match but i find that so much focus is put and great storytelling is put on certain programs and then the rest of the card just really falls and that's where i struggle hmm. where it's like okay i care about the main event i might care about another another match i might care about the women but everything else it's just like that for me and that's where i really struggle with the nwa um so you know but i'm looking up and down this card and aside from the first match we're going to talk about, because it does involve the ROH tag team champs, my God, I can't get rid of these guys. Um, you know, it, it the card looks pretty good. So what we're going to do, we're going to run down the card. And Tommy, we're going to talk about what got us to this match. So it's hard times two. Revenge has no bounds. Saturday, December 4th, Atlanta, Georgia, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, live on fight. All right. The first match we're going to talk about. Where do we want to begin? <laughs> oh, we might as well just get it over with. The ROH World Tag Team Champions, the original kingdom, Mike Bennett, Matt Taven. I cannot get rid of these guys soon enough versus Aaron Stevens and Kratos. <laughs> um, honestly, I see you seem to have some issues with the OGK. I am I'm perfectly fine with this because... OGK came back during the super card by any means necessary. Yes. Um, and and that kind of told you ROH uh, needed to do something different with his style. But to me, this is still not that outside the realm because prior to the pandemic, it wasn't that long ago that the villain, Marty Skrull, 
stop by to uh, get in the grill of Nick Caldas and um, the uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here. The Beer City Bruisers also made a stop also in NWA. So there was some sort of a partnership, but because of COVID, those plans had to be put on hold or scrapped altogether. So this is this to me is just a continuation of it, albeit with different uh, wrestlers here. Bennett has challenged all this for the 10 pounds of gold during the UWM primetime live. So this this actually fits for me if you followed that. Um, and which, again, by the way, that's on uh, Fight TV if you want to subscribe for only $7.99. Not a sponsor. Uh, sorry, that's a holdover from my TV10 podcast. Um, and I would say as far as him challenging for Aaron Stevenson and Kratos uh, for the belts. We we know what's going to happen, in my opinion. It's not about uh, it's not about the titles at this point. This is just all about uh, what's going to take place between uh, Aaron Stevenson and Kratos, and they yeah. are the most dysfunctional tag team since Chris Candido and Lance Storm. Yes, um, and. Uh, and uh, and Stevens has been on a different character arc since coming back, and we've talked about it. And I've actually talked with Stevens before since losing the question mark, uh, or Josephus, or Joseph Hudson. This is a different Aaron Stevens than the guy with all the antics from times past. Yeah, I'm invested in this, and they have spent time really spelling it out. This is. This is not like anything we've ever seen. So this is going to draw out more of what we're going to see with Aaron Stevens and Kratos and what that's going to lead to. If it's going to be a clash between those guys or something else remains to be seen. Yep. All right. So, yeah, you know, I think in that you, you brought up a great point. I agree with Aaron you there, Tommy. Yeah, the Aaron uh, Stevens Kratos storyline is really the highlight of this match. Um, and, you know, the OGK, and, you know, I give them hell. I just, I'm not a fan of them individually, but their story since coming back together has been fantastic. Um, there's nothing you like more than a redemption story than two people coming back after all these years. And, you know, it, 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 it can bring a tear to a glass eye, as they say. Yeah, and, 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 uh, I, I get you got some issues with OGK. Here's how I'm going to sum this up. On a scale of one to RK Bro, they <laughs> are. Oh, you're laughing, but you know it's. It, uh, you know I'm right when I say the following. Compared to that, they are freaking the Road Warriors at this point. Um, they're they are the Rockers. They yeah. are the Heart Foundation. So that's why I don't give them a lot of crap right there because they have been established, yeah. faction, a stable. They are definitely on the right path. I'm not going to worry about that. Yeah. Now, right. RK Bro and uh, Omos and AJ Styles, if they're still a thing, yeah, not going to defend it. Exactly. Not even going to try all right, let's talk about the pre-show match, and that is the NWA Junior Heavyweight Championship qualifying gauntlet. Um, we have Jeremiah Plunkett, Victor Benjamin, PJ Hawks, Aria Davari, Darius Lockhart, Homicide, C.W. Anderson. That's a name I haven't heard since ECW. Well, 
post, yeah. just after ECW. Anyway, Sal Renaro, Kerry <laughs> Morton, Jamie Stanley, and Alex Taylor. I and uh, Billy Corgan, or excuse me, William Patrick Corgan, um, announced the revival of the junior heavyweight title, and this is a this is basically a title that was more. And I and I talked about before in the in my little preview at SlamWrestling.net. Cheap plug. Love it. Uh, <laughs> that um, <clears throat> this is basically akin to a cruiserweight title, and all these guys are either established within the NWA, the current NWA hierarchy. That's Plunkett. That's uh, uh, Hawks Airy. Um, and then you got some guys from yesteryear like Homicide and C.W. Anderson, uh, which Homicide is a lighter guy. And C.W. Anderson, these days, from what I've seen, he's a lot lighter. Um, and uh, there's some new faces that it looks like they could be very interesting. Victor Benjamin being one who is the real-life husband of Lady Frost. Terry yep. Morton is another name that sticks out because he is the son of Ricky Morton. Um, so those would be names I would keep in mind, but, and I talked about it, uh, the other day, uh, un, as far as underdog odds go, I'm going to give it to your pal, Sal Renaro. Yeah. Uh, because, because he loves slam wrestling. Hi, Sal. Uh, <laughs> and our, um, and hopefully our esteemed, uh, uh, guru head chief muckamuck, uh, Greg Oliver, We'll have a chance to talk to Greg face to face finally. Yep. Uh, he got to interview with us uh, earlier in the year, so this will be. I, I think that's where the direction is going to head uh, for this qualifying tournament. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent because I have a further prediction, but we're going to talk about that when we talk about hit this person's or that person's match. But before that, we have another NWA Junior Heavyweight Championship qualifying match. That is. Austin Aries versus Rhett Titus. This is a match I never realized I wanted to watch as a wrestling match, <laughs> as a wrestling match, until I saw this on the card. I, I honestly, uh, for and this is where the ROH fans are going to uh, come flock to as far as the NWA, and this is part of the reason why I think the junior heavyweight needs to start off with a bang. Rhett Titus um, has been a mainstay. I mean, he's been one of the foundation, if not the foundation, for ROH for a number of years. Um, and at one point, he was part of, <clears throat> excuse me, he was a part of a stable with Austin Aries yep. and Kenny King. Uh, and uh, he, and, uh, uh, the, the thing that really intrigues me is that not only is this uh, a dream match in a different company, but uh, kind of like what we talked about with Dave V. Richards, Austin Aries has not been seen since he left Impact Wrestling yep. three years ago. Unless yeah. I heard and I was reading this, apparently he is uh, focused on like some company to help with stem cells yeah good on him exactly um and i as far as how you start the show off with the bang i think this is going to deliver the stake with the junior heavyweights but who gets the w 
it's got to be Austin Aries at this time. I, agree. I yeah, I I don't see it going any other way. I could be wrong, but hey, it would be. Uh, it's got to be Aries at this point to put some emphasis on the junior heavyweight picture. Agreed. Um, the next match is a match that I'm super interested in because it's someone who I haven't seen in years, and that is a returning mm-hmm. Doug Williams versus my boy Colby Carino. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Doug Williams, for those of you who are Impact Wrestling fans of yesteryear, he was the leader of the British Invasion alongside Rana Terry and a very young Brutus Magnus. Who is that, you ask? Uh, Well, you would probably know him better as the national treasure, Nick Aldis. Um, Yeah, Doug Williams has been a mainstay, but again, He's been away uh, for a number of years, and recently he, um, I want to say in like the last year or so, he has been coming back to to wrestling again, and I have to assume he reached out to his man Aldis and uh, said, yeah, I'd like to have another go at this, mate. So uh, with with him pairing off against Colby Carino, whose star is rising, and I again, I I've used this uh, phrase before. This is going to be a nice matchup of British uh, strong style versus the power of douche nozzlery. I'll it. let you decide which one is which at this point. <laughs> love it. So here's my prediction for the junior heavyweight championship. It's going to be yeah. Colby Carino or Sal Renaro. They have a long-standing history right now. There's some story. There's some tension. There's some great storytelling oh, yeah. there. It's going to come down to those two, isn't it? I would not be surprised if, uh, well, and uh, let's add Aries to the mix here. So if you get all three of those cats in there, then you got something special right mm-hmm. there. I And it wouldn't surprise me if Carino uh, got the W uh, because, again, douche nozzlery. Why? Because he's a Carino. And exactly. if you think I'm wrong, look at history, kids. Um but yeah, Williams, I think, is going to give him a fight to remember. Uh, Carino, uh, his star is going to be on the rise, and it's just going to continue to rise going forward. Yep. Um, so the next match we're going to be talking about is for the NWA World Women's Tag Team Championship. It's a three-way. We have the Hex, Allison K, and Marty Bell, who have just been tearing it up on every indie scene or just the general indie scene everywhere they are they're just tearing it up uh they're facing mm-hmm. against lady frost and natalia markova and uh kylie ray and tutti lynn yeah this one is a bit of this one is probably kind of one of the more weaker uh cards not so much in the hex but that there's other women's tag teams that can challenge yeah. the hex at this point the thing that really uh, has my curiosity is the fact that uh kylie ray is back after stepping away for to focus on her own mental health yeah. good for her good on her um is this going to be long lasting at this point Whatever she's going through, that's a whole other discussion, but I don't see them getting the belts at this point, Uh, which leads me to Lady Frost and uh, 
Natalia Markova. Markova, I don't know too much about, to be honest, but Lady Frost established in not just Impact, but also the NWA. Might be the sleeper hit here, but uh, it could. this could be a case of the hex runs through them as well. But I, uh, and I think I, uh, yes, I did use the science of uh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo because I thought this was a pick em, and uh, apparently, I landed on Lady Frost and Natalia Markova <laughs> getting the belt. If only for the fact that the Hex can be chasing after them and thus establishing a bigger program uh, for the women's tag team. Yeah. I think this might be the way to do it, even though it's still early for them to lose the belts. Yeah. This agreed. might be the case. It needs to be done. You know, sometimes the chase is a lot more interesting to watch than the actual title run itself. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, the, I, and I truly think that Allison K and Marty Bell, they're just hitting it on all cylinders right now. Seeing them chase while making appearances for other people as the Hex on their own is just, you know, it's just going to be great to watch. So I agree with you there. All right, we're going to switch to the NWA World Tag Team Championship. Uh, we have uh, La... La Rebellion, Bestia 66, and Mechawolf versus the end, which is Pero and Odinson. This is, yeah, and since winning the tag titles from Kratos and Stevens, La Rebellion, well, have not much, uh, uh, haven't been doing too much yeah. in the NWA. They went back to Mexico, probably because they had uh, contractual stuff with either Triple A or the Crash, where they mostly are the mainstay there. But um, they their goal was uh, they they kind of talked it off, or at least Mecha Wolf talked it off, saying, "Look, give us some challengers, and hey, maybe we'll come back." And uh, tag tourney was set up, and again, love a good tourney, uh, where the end, Paro and Odinson have just run roughshod through everybody. They are the modern day equivalent of the road warriors at this point they have got the they've got the 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 team solidified they've done well in japan i want to say pro wrestling noah um so they are viable contenders for raul rebellion but again the tag title uh reign of la rebellion is too soon at this point yeah the end's going to give it to them, but I think the power of Lucha Libre, which is above all, uh, will reign supreme um, with Mecha Wolf and uh, Bestia Ceseses. Yep, agreed 100%. All right, then we have the NWA National Heavyweight Championship match. Chris Adonis, your champion, versus Judas with Sinister Minister. Anytime you can get Sinister Minister in there is just a treat. And I believe that this match is going to be fun because Chris Adonis has been doing fairly well in NWA. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I, I, I want to, uh, and actually we do need to correct a couple of things since, as he mentioned, he is a man of the cloth, uh, the sinister minister. So whether he's father, James Mitchell, whether he's a sinister minister, uh, I would say if you want somebody to officiate a wedding, reach out to Sinister Minister. That would raise some eyebrows with your families. Um, all kidding aside, though, yeah, this is the one match I'm not as invested in because this is just a straight heel versus heel matchup. Yeah. Now, 
unless one of those guys is a tweener, okay, maybe I'll buy it, but nah, I, I just can't. And again, this was using uh, this was using researched science with the Canadian dollar coin o decision making trademark. Um, and basically, I said it's uh, it was head, so Adonis is going to retain. Um, they need to do something else with the national program. Maybe one of those guys from the junior heavyweights could insert themselves into the national program. We'll just have to wait and see. Or have James Storms come back for something other than Bush beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, a match that I'm not too invested in, and that's for the TV title. That's Tyrus with Austin Idol versus Sion with the Pope on his with the Pope as serving as special guest referee. See, this is this is where I differ. I'm highly invested in the uh, television championship because it's kind of. It, it's kind of similar to ROH's uh, pure rules. You have certain rules and yeah. reasons for why the belt was done, um, and this and here's the reasons why this has the sizzle in the stake. Originally, the title was held recently by the Pope, and now the the thing about the television title, folks, is that you have to successfully defend the title seven times and on the seventh time you got a shot at the 10 pounds of gold the national heavyweight championship pope was six six wins in and was ready for a seventh but then uh, tyrus with his manager austin idol stole that chance and now tyrus is your champion and he successfully defended the title but then the masked wrestler now called Scion, which before I called the son of the question mark, trademark. Um, he's now inserted himself and brings an air of mystery to him and wants to get that belt uh, from Tyrus. And now the question is, who is this guy? Who is he under the mask? And why is he challenging for the title? So now this is going to be a... Uh, a matchup that has uh, no time limit uh, because the television title is contested with the six-minute yep. rule. Um, six there's going to be five seconds. It, exactly. Thank you for calling that right there. Um, there, and here's the other added uh, stipulation: is that the special guest referee is the Pope. Yeah. So this has everything you could want in a wrestling match drama intrigue a clear face um a heel a, a true heel and tyrus can back up his uh back up his talk and has gone on to other programs outside of nwa like fox and friends yeah. whatever your feelings are the fact is he's promoting it exactly let's just focus on that part but, and again, it, what do you feel about Tyrus, the man? That's a whole different story here. But for pure pro wrestling, this is where I feel like it's going to be a good one. And I feel like Cyan is going to be the one to take the title. So what happens afterwards if the mask gets ripped off and we see what's underneath? 
is anybody's guess. Exactly. A match that I'm looking forward to is this one, and that has a lot of implications to it, especially if one man gets DQ'd, they're going to be suspended for eight weeks. It is the implosion of Strictly Business, a grudge oh, match yeah. to end all grudge matches, Nick Aldis versus Tom Latimer. Yeah, and this is, again, this is one of those matches you can really sink your uh, teeth into, and ever since Nick Aldis lost the 10 pounds of gold, Strictly Business had been slowly, slowly deteriorating. And Latimer, uh, first of all, number one, he has never looked better. Um, And in fact, he is... He has improved a lot since his days as Brahm on on Impact. Here's the other side of it, too. um, And this is no secret, and he's even talked about it a bit. He's sober now, uh, like 730-plus days sober. And this is now starting the show in his work. And he can still be an absolute, um, what's the technical term? Dick about it uh without losing the power and the strength that he uh that he has showcased and with camille at his side he actually looks like he could be a strong contender and the fact that and this is the part that i'm gonna be curious about and i've said it before expect violence lots of it yeah now how they're going to do it without getting dq'd is anybody's guess um but just expect that Latimer is going to go over and continue on a path of destruction. And don't be surprised if he doesn't uh, channel sooner rather than later for the 10 pounds of gold. Yeah, exactly. Um, that that match has a lot of imp- implications for the 10 pounds of gold, in my opinion. And I do believe it is Tom Latimer's day. Um, and then it's like the story of what's wrong with Nick Aldis? What's next for Nick Aldis, right? So I'm kind of intrigued by that as well. And then from there, we're going to go to the NWA Women's Championship match. We have your champion, Camille, versus a Molina that looks better than ever in the ring, outside of the ring, and in between. Absolutely. I love how you uh, use that uh, right there at the end. Um, But yeah, uh, Molina has found new life since coming back to the NWA. What I found interesting, because uh, before the pandemic, uh, Molina was uh, a classic heel. Yeah. And since coming back, uh, since NWA powers come back, she's now become more and more of a face and it took a while for me to buy into it but uh with uh her pairings alongside thunder rosa she is definitely shown that she is uh a worthy challenger and camille since weren't uh since winning the nwa women's championship the burke if you will uh has proven that she is exactly what her nickname implies she is a brick house she is a foundation for the women's division to build upon and the fact that there have been challengers after challengers trying to stop the brick house and only to be rebuffed says a lot about how much faith nwa has in camille especially the fact that she hasn't been wrestling that long yeah exactly she's been wrestling 
She's only been wrestling about as long as Thunder Rosa has. Yep. And she hasn't been wrestling that long either. Exactly. So, it's, it's crazy to see just, just how quickly they just both made a name for themselves. Thunder Rosa, obviously, some amazing programs that she's had on the national level. But Camille kind of just like, you know, quietly making a huge name for herself in the NWA, in those niche groups of wrestling fans but you know she in my opinion is one of the best out there right now along with roxy you know there's those two oh, that would be a dream match for me you, uh, you know it's uh, you throw in some diana perrazzo and you know that's it well even though roxy is uh headed to mlw spoiler alert yeah um don't be surprised if she doesn't come over to the nwa and i would my dream match down the road would be to see Thunder Rosa and Camille again because, and I'll, and I will die on this hill when I say the following. Those two are basically the Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon steamboat mm -hmm. of professional wrestling. Bob Kapoor disagreed with me, but I'm like, nope, gonna stay on that hill for a while here. But uh, until then, Melina is proving that she could be a big. Uh, challenge to Camille, but she's going to come up short again, and there's no way that the Brick House is losing the belt at this time. Yeah, exactly. So my prediction is, before you get that Thunder Rosa Camille match, we're going to get Hall of Dead and Camille. Mm. Wow. Uh, well, you know what? I'll 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 say never say never. Um, I know she's now in the featherweight division in MLW yep. and looks to have a program going with Willow Nightingale. Yeah, exactly. But things can change, exactly. and um, and the card is subject to change, kids. Just expect All it. All right. So the next, the, the the main event of this show, we touched on it earlier with Trevor Murdoch and kind of his his rise to glory. Um, and I've made fun of this match. I call this match the Raw 2010 mid-card main event match. Um, and that's Trevor Murdoch, your NWA champion, versus Mike Knox. Tommy, explain why this match is main eventing the NWA pay-per-view. Okay. Well, uh, for those of you that didn't read my little uh spoiler on the road to uh hard times too but you can catch up on it at slamwrestling.net cheap plug um basically it started with this during the by any means necessary super card after the steel cage match with crimson and jacks uh the uh the announcer kyle davis said uh thank thanks the fans and said anybody who wants to have a picture with the champion um trevor murdoch uh, he'll be in the ring to greet everybody. And all of a sudden, a large bearded man barrels through, manhandles, and throws Murdoch's son to the ground. And what do you know? It's Mike Knox who just completely beats the living hell out of the champ and wants uh, his belt. And he even went to do a little promo afterwards saying that basically, in so many words, Murdoch is just nothing more than a paper champion and is half the man his mentor Harley Race was. So he very much inserted himself into the title picture and Murdoch more than happy to oblige because it's one thing to, you know, humiliate the champ, but getting his family involved, 
that's where he drew the line. They talked about it a little more during NWA Power's uh, 10 Pounds of Gold series with Aldis and Murdoch. And they were a little more eloquent about it, almost ESPN-like, if you will. Um, but it, uh, but Murdoch is definitely wanting this fight. Now, let let's uh, let's be honest for the folks. Mike Knox or Knox, if you know him from Impact or wherever you met him. Um, let's start with with this part here. Mike Knox at six foot seven, two hundred ninety-three pounds. This guy looks and is everything you would expect in a wrestler to be. He is a big man and a big challenge for Trevor Murdoch. But the problem is his past, depending on which promotion he was in, never really lent himself as a top contender. Yeah. At best, he was a mid-carder and... I, I blame the bookers for it that you know who you are, WWE. Um, oh, you're laughing, but it's let's true. Not lie. No, it's true. It's Let, true. Oh, let's hold them to the fire for a little bit. But, um, and that's where the some people are going to have the problem is that why should I believe this guy should be a challenge for the 10 pounds of gold? Then again, and I'll say that, and I said this in the, in the piece I did. That's the same argument people made with Murdoch. And now look how far he's gone. Agreed. Um, Agreed 100%. Now. And that's the thing. But, you know, we and, and, and the reason why I make those jokes is just because, you know, people tend to hold their WWE personas, their TNA personas as, you know, kind of what their wrestling legacy is going to be moving forward. People have been able to reinvent them, reinvent themselves. Look at Nick Aldis. Yes. You know, look at Trevor mm -hmm. Murdoch. Like these people have just made a huge name for themselves here in NWA. No different than someone like a Mike Knox who has so much to prove to disprove what I'm saying. To say that this yeah. isn't a, you know, 2010 Raw mid-card match, right? Like these two men have so much to prove. And I think that Mike Knox, like, you know, he's a huge bulky guy. Like I think in your article you said he's what, six, seven, almost 300 yeah. pounds. How is he not a heavyweight champion somewhere? Uh, uh, three words, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Yeah. And... <clears throat> And again, uh, it, it, some people think that I'm being unfair. Well, I think he can be uh, booked correctly if you got the right people behind him. He did do some good stuff in Impact with Aces and Eights, but the problem was it started to feel like the NWO back in the day when everybody and their grandson decided to join the faction. And that's where I was like, mm, I can't buy into this. Yep. And don't get me started on that carnival thing earlier. I he tried, whoever booked that, yeah. he tried, but yeah. I no, it just no. yeah, it wasn't good at all. Um, so your prediction, <laughs> Trevor Murdoch is oh. retaining. Oh yeah, but um, I didn't add this, but I think uh, well, two things. Uh, I don't think this is the last time we're going to see of Mike Knox in NWA, and I hope not. Um, if they book him correctly, I think he can, still has a lot to offer. But I also think this could set up for something big down the road uh, with any of the other guys we've talked about. So whether Adonis steps up, whether it's Latimer, 
whether it's uh, any of the other big men that steps up to Trevor Murdoch remains to be seen. Um, and that's and that's the challenge that NWA has right now, because and I said it before, babyface champions don't get the same number of challengers yeah. that a heel champion gets. Yeah. And they need to, especially if they're going to build a program around Trevor Murdoch, they need to step that up sooner rather than later. And if Hard Times 2 is any indication, they might be building towards that down the road. Exactly. NWA Hard Times 2 Revenge has no bounds. Saturday, December 4th, live on Fight. Check it out. Tommy will be recovering this for SlamWrestling.net. Tommy, it's a milagro that we finally made it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us here on BAM. We hope to have you to continue chatting, you know, the catch-all shows. That's what we consider ourselves, the catch-all shows. Oh. We talk ROH. We talk New Japan. We talk NWA. We talk <laughs> Noah. We talk Stardom. We talk everyone but the big two. Uh, well, I'm. It was. Uh, it was fun doing this. So I'm. Uh, I'm glad we finally got our agents involved to get this to happen. And uh, I'm looking forward to the check clearing and uh, having more of these discussions. That wait a minute. What do you mean the check didn't clear? What do you mean it bounced? <laughs> I love it. We'll talk later. <laughs> exactly. All right, that's Tommy Milagro Martinez from SlamWrestling.net. Check out his work. This man with a thousand and one articles every week. All right, so I want to thank Tommy for joining us. Uh, we talked a bunch of MLW. We talked a bunch of NWA. Matt, how was your coffee break? Oh, I actually got a little phone call in there. It was a shoot phone call, but you know what? It was very nice. I got a clean bill of health for my grandpa. He's going through some cancer, but I think it's uh, been eradicated for his system. So thumbs up. Love you, Gramps. And uh, yeah, sorry I had to skip out on that. I did actually want to push back on him hating on uh, RK Bro, Boris. I almost fucking broke my computer. That's a different story for a different time, though, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, man. Uh, you know I love me some Randy Orton. I'm the original Randy Orton fan. Oh, no, you should be. Sorry, homie. Didn't mean to pop you too hard. But, uh, yeah, you, uh, I'm glad you guys had a good chat. How are you, how are you feeling about uh, this this hard-to-kill show? Are you excited for it on Saturday? Um, Honestly, before I talked to Tommy, it was going to be a hard-to-watch. Uh, but this, this honestly, like the the stories leading up into the show are actually pretty good. It's a lot better um, when you when you lay it out the way that we did, as opposed to kind of just like you know just seeing the card. Um, NWA their pay per views always have surprises, but like I mentioned, the issue that I have with NWA is that they focus so much on certain stories and the rest seems kind of like just put together, and the in ring sometimes leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could not agree with that more. They do have some some boys. Austin Aries is on the card. He's always good. They have uh, Colby Carino. He's our favorite indie wrestler around here at BAM. Love us some Colby Carino. He's a man who needs a push, needs a big stage. Uh, but yeah, man, by and large, I am not excited for it. It's hard times, too. It's not hard to kill. We keep yeah. making that mistake. I know. Hard times, duh. Well, it, it times it harder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to say anything. Yes, it's hard times, too. It's still going to be hard to watch for some. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's. I think the NWA needs to try to really capitalize on um, on having eyeballs, similar to MLW. Uh, and, again, Matt, 
go out, watch that Opera Cup finals. I yes. hate admitting that TJP has a good match, but now that's yeah. two in like, you know, the past six months that are very high on my list of matches of the year. I, uh, yeah, I try to update the match of the year list every couple weeks or so. I don't want to be too anal about it, but at the same time, I do want to keep it updated just because it's so much easier to do it after like a week or two of watching matches than it is to try to get it all in in December, right? So I've been updating it slowly every year. And that uh, Josh Alexander versus TJP match, it hasn't moved much, man. It's been solidly right at the top of my list. That yeah. match was incredible. So again, uh, thank you so much to Tommy Martinez, Tommy Milagro Martinez on joining us. You can catch him at slamwrestling.net as he is the go-to guy for MLW and NWA. He also has a podcast. That's a TV Tan podcast where he talks all things TV, all things wrestling as he drinks local booze from Utah. Nice, nice. Good local Utah flavor. Uh, yeah, man. So we got lots coming up in December. Uh, I believe the next band, we're going to do a final, final battle preview uh, for ROH's final, final battle show. Uh, yeah, man, this, it's uh, it's a stinky NFL. Hopefully we have MLB labor news to talk about. Also, keep your ears peeled for Sunday night's War Games review from the boys, the lads here at BAM. Exactly. So... All your SNME merch, ballergear.ca, and the collection is SNME Radio. There's tons up there. Uh, you know, support SNME for those finding us on the BAM Sports and Entertainment feed. Go become an SNME patron. Uh, you get all the wrestling shows, you get daily wrestling shows, uh, and you get NXT Talk, you get the Smack Daddies, you get All Elite Weekly, you get all um, Dark Side of the Elite Rampage Rollout. You get the uh, midweek markout where they eventually talk about Raw. All of that for $1 per week. Sign up at patreon.com slash Radio. All the social medias. We're on Instagram and Twitter at BAMSportsENT. That's BAMSportsENT. Uh, find us on Facebook and join the SNME Radio Facebook group. As Matt mentioned, you know, we do have a few shows coming up, but also on The Wire, we have The Old Fucks All Elite Weekly, this week featuring Mike McGuire, the newest addition to SNME Radio. Um, that comes out on Friday. Saturday, you got your double dose, your dose double, your double double your of, of shows as Dark Side of the Elite Rampage rollout rolls out, and you get your Smack Daddies talking about all things SmackDown. Then on Sunday, Jason is going to be previewing NXT War Games with Mike, and they're going to be guiding us through the week that was in professional wrestling. Then, as Matt mentioned, we are back Sunday night talking all things NXT War Games. That's going to be out right after the show. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be super busy. And like I said, we have tons of specials coming up. Let us know what you want us to talk about as it pertains to Ring of Honor. And I can't wait to share some more news here on from BAM and SNME. He's Matt. I'm Boris. It's BAM Weekly. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>